0: the first thing is my background. And so you should have a very concise way to talk about your personal background because as you and I have already developed a common theme, people buy from human beings. Sales is not B2B or B2C. It's human to human. Have a human conversation for goodness sakes. Now with that, know your background people do want to connect at some point and depending on their personality if they're dis or c their rapport building is different for each of those personalities but regardless even if it's a high d dominant driver trying to get to the point rushing you through it you still can say something in this first part in your background that proves credibility and that's what needs to be done out of the gate because let me tell you why when you walk into a sales conversation over the phone or in person there is the trust equation. So bear with me on the trust equation. Is my whiteboard in the shot, Javier?
1: Uh just a little bit, like probably like a quarter of it.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna slide this guy over. Any better there? If I write on this side? Uh
1: yeah, right on that side and you're good.
0: Okay. So the trust equation is gonna be this is B I plus C over P S I, which equals trust. And what I'm gonna share with you on that is when you walk into any sales conversation, PSI is perceived self-interest. Okay. That's what the prospect is looking at you and saying, You have PSI through the roof because you have an agenda and you're a salesperson and you're just trying to get my money and you're not gonna listen to me and you're gonna talk too much and you're gonna be aggressive and pushy, whatever people think of us, right, in this profession. So perceived self-interest that you're there to make a buck, and on top of that is business intelligence and credibility. The quicker you can prove out business intelligence that you know your stuff and you know their stuff, meaning you can solve their pains and problems and you can bring them value and you can prove out credibility, Mm -hmm. that is what equals trust. And when you build business intelligence or business intimacy and credibility, that That is gonna shrink shrink what what you're you're doing doing for PSI and and that is going going to to equate to to more trust. trust. So So with with that, in the create your story, story, this is the process. Are you ready? Yep. My background. background. Briefly tell them some of the high points points of of what it is that that you do that build your credibility and can start start to show that you know what you're talking about. After you transition from my background, background, then you want to talk about why I came to work here. Talk about your current current employer. Talk about about why you're passionate about the product or service and why it's so great. Then you're going to transition into the third, which is social proof. What, what I've seen, seen since I've been here, name, name one or, or two third party stories briefly that give them proof of concept that help lower their guard to say, oh, they, they might, might be, be able to help me if they've been able to do that for a similar company of mine. And, and then the, the fourth section, section is pivot it back right to the prospect. prospect. Do not get caught in that awkward moment where, where you still have the ball in your court and they start asking you questions you don't want to do that you want control of the sales meeting because you have to do discovery and qualification before you get triggered to start talking about your products and services so the fourth component is critical and it's all about the volley back to them and asking the questions so something like that could look like this if i'm selling sales bq i'm going to sell sales bq in this format i'm going to give them my background and credibility so javier if you're a ceo let's say you're ceo of a seven million dollar company i'm going to say to you hey Javier, I I can absolutely tell you a little bit about what we do give some good context for this conversation ultimately i had eight years as a b2b mid-market SaaS sales rep i was a number one rep a top 10 rep and top 25 i sold millions i broke records throughout the company and got to do some pretty incredible work where they asked me to help rewrite a lot of their systems processes and methodology for sales resulting in millions more sold by other people pretty cool opportunity but at the end of 2017 i created sales bq and i did that because sales has ah, naturally come to me. And I wanted to build a platform where I could bring this process and methodology and really encourage companies just like yours, that five to 20 million space, be able to understand revenue generation from a whole different perspective. Since we've created the company, in fact, actually, let me drill it down. Even in the last 12 months, we've served over 50 companies coast to coast, and we've grown their revenue by 185% on average year over year, which for some of those companies, they were going down. So for them to not only get back to break even, but to have growth on top of that, and you're looking at that swing, that's not even incorporated in that 185%. But this is exactly why I want to talk to you. At first glance, you just, you fit the profile of the CEOs that we typically work with. And I don't know for sure though. So it would be helpful for me if you can maybe give me your story, give me the lay of the land, just really help me understand what you've done for your company. And then you and I can figure out if it makes sense for us to continue conversation if, if merited. So how did you get started? Tell me more about this business. So that's the volley back. It's less than two minutes, and it gives the, the prospect what they're looking for. Who are you? Master that. Every person listening to this needs to master their story, and you will then regain control of conversations and avoid having to show up and pitch.
1: Uh, holy smokes. You killed it on that, because I, I love what you how you broke it down and, and and how you I feel like I'm in one of your training sessions and I'm getting free training right now is what I feel like so <laughs> so thank you <laughs> but in reality what I loved about it is is a couple of things that really kind of stuck out is the whole story part. Uh, I think that's really critical because this entire world was developed on story and, and and if we can master the story portion of telling a story about yourself in a small, You know, glimpse. um, People will start relating to us. I mean, literally, like entire nations were developed and by story, and it still works this way. We go to the movies because of story. You know, we don't go to the movies because it's a great movie. We go to the movies because of the story. Like Star Wars is a huge story, and so I love how you talk about that and you really emphasize that part. Um, For some people, like. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy named Donald Miller. Uh, he's uh, the CEO of a company called Story Brand. And he is the person that literally marked his territory on story. And I listen to his podcast pretty frequently and he talks about telling stories and, and he he has a game plan how he does it. It's really cool because he he shows it on the, in, on the business world because on a personal world we all talk stories but we don't think anything of it. Um, and so that really made it great. I think the other part is Creating that um, credibility and, and, and showing that you, you know this space, you understand this space, and that's critical. Uh, because if, if you don't have that credibility, you lose trust immediately. Uh, and, and, and you're putting them together uh, and you're making them really huge. Um, there's an author that I read this book. I forgot what the title of the book is. I've been on the reading, sp- um, um, you know, just fens- frenzy going on, but his name is Oren. Uh, and he basically wrote this book. One of them is called uh, Pitch Anything. And then he had a follow up book on something else. And, um, anyways, he talks about what you're talking about, knowing the person's industry and almost like saying everything to a T to make them understand that, like, hey, you get it. And then, like, doing what you just said, volume back to them. So that you're not sinners talking about yourself the entire time. You're showing that you know exactly what their problems are. They're everything, and then all of a sudden the person's like, "Okay, you get me," and and then the conversation, the guards are down. Like he literally talks about that, and you just you hit it on the head on that, which is amazing. Um, so is this kind of like the process that you work with when you start working with your customers?
0: Uh, This is later in the process. Okay, We start with a 30-day audit, gap analysis, and list of deliverables that we produce for our clients based on rebuilding infrastructure because I can train salespeople all day long, but if their environment doesn't change and the culture and the whole company-wide process for revenue generation doesn't change, then I'm changing one person, one tiny part of the ecosystem, and it doesn't work. Interesting. So then they're going to lose their mind. And all honestly, look, have you ever taken a sales training, sat through a class, paid a bunch of money, and then you didn't really implement it fully? Like, you went back to the way you've always done things. You didn't really have enforcement or accountability. So many people spend money on one tiny component, which is sales training, and then it doesn't go anywhere and nothing happens. And so what I'm encouraging companies that we work with is let us actually fix the problem for good, or at least for a decent period of time, And I think that looking at the structure of that with our 30 day work, so 30 days is our build phase. We go in, we audit everything, data, process, and people. And then we come back within one week with a gap analysis to say, here's all the areas that you're underperforming, all the areas that's costing you revenue, all of our gaps, all of our room for opportunities. So it's your current state audit, the gap to get to the desired future state. And then it's a list of deliverables that my team's going to produce. Everything from marketing, to sales operations, technology, automation, and then bringing in, of course, what needs to happen. We build individual learning and development plans for everybody on the team. Because you and I are different even though we have a lot of similarities. I'd love to see how you sell and you can watch how I sell. And then you're gonna find two or three things in the way that I go about my sales approach that you're gonna say, Mary, I could work with you on those two or three things. I'm gonna find two or three things on you. But if you and I had to go into a program that taught a hundred things and you and I already knew 95 out of a hundred and didn't need like, like, don't, don't, fix what's not broken yes and we believe in individual learning and development plans and as a top performer i'm not blind to the fact that i have room for improvement but what i don't want and this goes back to what we discussed at the beginning of the call don't waste my time as a high performing sales person put me in an environment where i can succeed don't make my life worse don't make me do all these training and exercises and things honestly i don't need to be doing find what specifically I can learn so I can improve. So we believe in the talent development strategy and bringing forward things that actually work for people. Now, some of it will be trained as a whole. If we're changing process, if we're changing methodology, that is change as a whole, but individual learning and development, that is where we see wild success in individual performance. Plus, salespeople are just a lot happier but their employer decided to make an investment with, with a coach and trainer, and trainer that actually goes in the field with them and does calls with them and, them, and isn't just teaching them, them from a classroom, classroom but will stand with them side by side, by side, 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 and, side and help them and through the process and I and think that that is wicked powerful and, and, that 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 wicked powerful. and then the last part of it is we always stick around for everything to be profitable for the company that we've signed on with so our minimum engagement is six months and my VPs that I employ go on contract with up to three companies at a time so three CEOs they'll contract with directly and they, they will manage the entire kind of revenue engine. engine. So everything for marketing, sales, and they'll look at the tech stack and automation because it's not just one tiny piece of training. So that was a really long answer for a short question. No, it's, about that. It's I awesome love this.
1: I this is great because it gives me some other things that kind of feed you on. And so what what kind of stuck out on some of that is is that you're, you're engaged and your team is engaged not just for, hey, come to this workshop, you know, um, because that's the thing that really drives me up the wall. And it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning before we even went live is, you know, how much information you want to give? And you're like, I'll just give everything. And because the thing is, at the end of the day, it's like almost impossible to implement it on your own. I mean, someone could take this information and they'll say, oh, I'm going to run with this. Mary gave me some great stuff. I'm going to make millions of dollars. I'm going to, you know, be successful. And then they're going to realize, oh, shoot, I don't even know how where to start. I need some help. And that's the part is, is that it's, it's all about delivering that value and, but you do it from the very beginning where you do analysis and then you have numbers to back it, data to back it, as opposed to like, well, I feel like you should be doing this because as a salesperson, we don't go on feelings. We go on stats, numbers, statistics, what works, what doesn't work, um at least for me. yeah And whenever yeah. you have all these things there, like you have that and then you come up with a plan. And then what I love even more is that you take a personal touch because, let's all face it, top performers talk to better people. I'm sorry, top performers relate more on a personal touch versus being generalized with everybody else. because. Like, like you and I, you put me in a general population on how to improve sales, I'm like this is a waste of my time. You put me with a person with two or three people that are top performers and this is how we're gonna start taking two or three things on, and just like making you better, I'm like, I'm all in. And I will go to battle for you, I will do everything you tell me to do, like I will listen to everything. But you generalize me, not gonna listen. Um, and so that's just personally oh, for me. That. I mean, I'm assuming you're the same, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I will. not And I'll, I'll say, I, I believe in the feel. feel when i'm in the the meat of the sales conversation the feel the emotional part and connecting with the people that i'm working with in coming to a great sales outcome but when it comes to data systems and processes our saying is opinions are valuable but data is priceless yes and so you're right on that part sales people who have great intuition and great feel that's important in one part of the job in the part of the job when it comes down to the science of sales and the mathematical part of it, and also the data part and automation and technology, those are things that we need to be more black and white.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, is there's like what I want to kind of take it next is, is like, what else do you guys kind of do whenever you're helping with these customers? Because part of it is like you probably, you know, you find some customers, you figure out what their needs are, and then you have to start, you know, analyze on who would be a good fit with one of your sales VPs. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, how does that look like? And how do you guys help people with that? Because, like, everyone has different personalities, everyone has different styles. And so, that's, that's that's a, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume here, that's kind of tough to balance, am I correct?
0: Um, It's easier. It's easier now because we've become clearer on who we want to serve. Gotcha. and sales bq were not for everybody there's as as important of the ceo five to 20 million is where we've had our best success we do have a couple of clients that are saying a bit smaller than that but they fit the rest of the the profile so they've been great clients but and we do have a couple actually the one that you met that is larger than 20 million but they fit the profile so we can go outside of that if we need to it's just one of our markers ultimately we only exist to grow our clients revenue so i am not going to take on a client who's willing to or a company that's willing to spend money if they're not committed to the process and to the program we know what we're doing and we have been held back in engagements before because the ceo in any way shape or form is not handing over the keys to the revenue kingdom which is a problem because we have to be set up for success and be able to do our work and that is a different we can be held back in that if we have a leadership team or a management team that's that's not allowing us to do that and it's very frustrating and difficult so we look at being laser focused on the icp the ideal client profile when we are in the sales conversation and when we're first meeting with companies to determine if they're fit for our program they are interviewing us but i'm also interviewing them yes and with us having this level of discernment of who's truly ready for our program or not then our success rates remarkably right over the last 8 to 9 months have gone through the roof yep. versus our first year and a half of operating we had some hits and some misses and when we looked at the misses um we always are accountability first is one of our core values what do we own we look at responsibility what do we own of this what didn't go right and then we mapped it all out and we were looking for trends and patterns of what needed to change and some of what we spoke about earlier is that we used to be silo focused on sales. And in the last nine months, we started taking on programs with marketing and sales ops and technology and tech stack and automation with our clients, building real revenue engines. And now the results are unbelievable. I cannot wait for us to do our next round of stats to see what that year over year revenue growth is doing. We publish those every quarter. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see the output of that. But for us, it's just as much interviewing them as it is interviewing us. And we want to make a great decision on partnering together to grow revenue personality wise. That's my responsibility. Yeah, I fight hard from a recruiting perspective to bring on extremely talented people. And I always have a bench, meaning I have people in the wings that have already identified that I'm just waiting for us to go up in client count so that I can justify going up in head count. I already have my next one sitting on the bench and she's out of this world and I'm foaming at the mouth like when can I bring her on when can I bring her on but we will not grow irresponsibly we grow with great clients because I am committed to serving the people who are ready to be served in this area of revenue generation and doing great work for them and so that's our journey and that's what we're looking forward to in the future
1: that's awesome I love how selective you guys are as well too and the whole process is that not everyone is a good customer for you because a lot of the times, I feel like some of us get desperate and just take on a you know business just because someone's going to pay you, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but it also it, it could also hurt what the um, the the mission of the company. You know, like if, if the mission of the company is, is X, and we bring on people that don't really fit that mission that that profile, it's not going to be a great relationship, and and that's that's critical, uh, especially in this you know in today's new business we have to be selective and then that also gives us leverage as a business as well too because imagine if someone says no i'm not interested in working with you and and you're the one providing the business all of a sudden the customer is like wait what i'm willing to pay you like it's just not going to work like you're not committed after you know just kind of qualifying you like we need to make sure you hand over the keys um rejection is a is a very very um powerful thing i mean we all hate rejection i mean like from even um, from a sales call we hate that but the thing is is that when you put yourself at a higher pedestal and be like the reason we're rejecting you is because of these certain things if you're willing to make these changes you know give us a call in three months six months um there's nothing wrong with rejection but putting yourself at a higher standard all of a sudden it makes people think like i have to actually qualify to work with sales bq i have to qualify and there's nothing wrong with that I think that's completely fine. and like I actually used to do that in my sales process. People would say, like, what do you mean I have to qualify to be a student at your studio? I was like, well, if you're going to have your kid roll around on the floor and not be productive, then I don't think it's going to be a good fit. And they're kind of like, oh, I didn't really think that's how it worked. I was like, hey, we're here to make a okay. difference in our community. We're not here to babysit. And so Unreal. all of a sudden, people started realizing that, oh, I actually have to I can't just hand over my children and then someone just takes care of them, you know? And so, that's it makes things a little differently. And I love, that's what you guys are doing, essentially, is qualifying mm-hmm. people to say, hey, we can do business. No, we can't do business.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Is there anything else you wanna add before we start kind of wrapping up as far as kind of like what you do? Because I feel like you gave a lot of information um, and I'm overwhelmed, yeah. to be quite honest. I'm like, holy smokes.
0: <laughs> Here's what I want people to do if you're in a leadership position, if you're an executive VP director, you're responsible for revenue generation for the company, but you're not an individual producer. If you go to our website, salesbq.com, you can download our RevOps, which is revenue operations master template. This is an audit. And then we also have a master guide. It serves as a companion to how do you do this audit or take it as far as you can internally without involving us. This is my gift to the community. This is a great way for people that are brilliantly smart and just need a couple of techniques and need the guide on how to do it, they can actually pull it off and do it themselves. And that probably isn't a great client for us anyway because that's the person that's not gonna hand over the keys all, all the way to our team. So it's my gift to the community. If you start going through it and say, what does this mean? How do we do? We don't have any of this. Okay, we're in worse shape than I thought. Or gosh, we just need to pick up the phone and call. I encourage that. The line comes directly to me, so I would love to hear from you. Schedule a meeting on my calendar and let's do the deep dive. If you're a an individual producer, you're a salesperson. Um, I already love you, and I have great heart and empathy for what you're doing right now because I'm still a salesperson too, and I will always be a salesperson. That's what's in my DNA. We just launched our training room. It is all of our content, all of our training, all of everything that we have, and 90% of it is free. Hmm. And the last 10% is really inexpensive. We've got six courses that we sell on there. They're live courses, and the first one is $97, and then the other... Um, then five courses are $295 and the last course is 495 So they're very, very affordable. But 90% of our content is absolutely free. Get on there. Let us help you become a quota crusher. And we'd love to also have you connect on the podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, Mary Grothy, G-R-O-T-H-E. Find me on LinkedIn and I'd love to connect.
1: Yeah, and I'll make sure I'll have links going back to you on your on your LinkedIn profile, also to your website, if you don't mind. After this conversation, send me a couple of links to what you just talked about. I'll put that on our uh, website, so for this podcast, so that people can access that, and we can we can right. drive traffic there. Um, because I think what you're offering is invaluable, and the prices that you're telling me, I think you're undercharging, to be quite honest. But I'm not going to tell you how to run your business. <laughs> because you've destroyed it so far and I know you're gonna be super successful you know as the next few years go by. But I'm really appreciative that you're willing to do that kind of stuff as well too because you understand that there's people that are you know solar sellers, if you will, and they just need a little help um, on some things to get tweaked. And then you see the other side of it where you wanna take an entire organization and just destroy it. So thanks again for coming to the podcast. I mean, it's it's been an honor. I feel like I got a lot out of this just listening to you. Um, and this is amazing. I, I have nothing else to say, but this is just simply amazing. Uh, Thank so, you. yeah, no, it, it was my pleasure. This was great. So, again, guys, uh, Mary Grothy, she's the founder and CEO of Sales BQ. She delivered some insane stuff. I mean, I'm actually getting tingly about this because it was amazing. And I'm super excited to get this thing launched. I, like, I want to do it tomorrow, but I have time to have, have to edit it and all that other stuff. So give me a couple weeks or so and as far as you know getting in touch with her please use her resources like i've went through all of her site like i really did my research and was impressed and went through the testing and take advantage of this i don't usually promote a lot of people on this podcast Uh, I wanna do this because I think you're offering a huge service to the community, okay? So anyways, with that said, again, this is Javier Lozano with CMI Mechanical. This is Facility and Property Management Secrets Radio, and this was really dedicated more to the suppliers and vendors. Guys, take advantage of this, this is amazing. For facility managers, you don't wanna sell anybody, but here's the thing, if you learn what Mary's talking about, you'll know exactly if they know what they're talking about when they're trying to pitch you. If they don't fit the profile how Mary taught you on how a person should be selling, move on. Okay. Because there are people that are really dedicated and helping grow in your business. And this is great. So, anyways, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We'll talk to you guys later.